How you doing, everybody? The Jet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Course, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your host, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. Sports Court Time brought to you by our great friends in American Taxi for you people out in the suburbs, wherever you may be. Do you want that flat rate? Do you want that inexpensive rate? Do you want courtesy? Do you want comfort? Do you want a driver who's going to treat you the way you deserve to be treated? Then I remind you, John Coyne's American Taxi is the only way to go. Hey, you don't earn the kind of credibility that American Taxi brings to the table. Welcome once again. Boy, have we got a full platter today right here on uh, Sports Court. Michael Jordan, possibility of uh, Alex Rodriguez facing new trouble. I'm Chad Kopic, joined by ESPN legal expert Lester Munson. Lester, north of the border, there is a doctor by the name of uh, Anthony Galea, who is uh, worthy of our attention. I will let you... Uh, Establish the uh, the batting orders. This is a guy who has perfected different ways of helping people recover from injuries, different ways of helping them build themselves up. He does some things that are highly questionable. He does them both in the United States and in Canada. And among his patient lists, we have Tiger Woods, Alex Rodriguez, and Jose Reyes. And all of them insist, nope. No performance-enhancing drugs, no human growth hormone, none of this stuff went on. Unfortunately for everybody, the doctor's assistant, a young woman, her job is to get the drugs across the border when he comes to the United States to treat his patients. They caught her, and they caught her with human growth hormone and a lot of other stuff. And so now we have federal agencies here in the United States interviewing Rodriguez, interviewing Reyes, Presumably, they will get to Tiger Woods pretty quickly. Would it surprise you if I told you that uh, a buddy of mine by the name of uh, Dennis McLean, <laughs> former 31-game winner, called me this morning. And uh, as you know, Denny does have some experience within the uh, federal judicial system. He's, he told me his gut feeling right now is they've already got Rodriguez, and they believe they might be in the process of already cutting a deal with Rodriguez to call out... Uh, the doctors are the clients. Yeah, maybe they may have decided. Uh, Denny McLean would know. He would have a feel for where the FBI is going. Um, although they did fool him a couple of times, <laughs> but, but Caught, not Caught recently. <laughs> the uh, he would he would have a feel for this. Are they talking to Rodriguez to try to get Doctor Galea? Probably. So they got to make a deal with Rodriguez. What did he do for you? We're going to give you immunity, but you're going to have to testify in public somewhere sometime against Dr. Galea. And the same thing with Reyes. And then Tiger Woods, after the knee injury, he went up to Canada to have it treated, and they ran new blood in and took the blood out and did something to his blood, put it back in again. And it remember that heroic thing where he's playing in the tournament on the, the painful US knee? Open. Yeah. The uh, you begin to wonder about the chemistry of that event, don't you? That some of this mythology on Woods is going to be debunked here pretty quickly. You know, Lester, I always had the feeling watching that open as uh, Tiger, you know, hobbled into a, a playoff on Sunday, won the tournament on Monday. Um, I'll be very frank with you. A lot of broadcasters do this: take prednisone because it's a healing agent. It's a steroid for your throat, but it will heal your body very, very rapidly. I was convinced that Tiger Woods had to be on a significant volume 
of either prednisone or some type of steroid healing agent because he appeared to be in such physical agony, I didn't know how he could play. There was no question about the agony he was in. It was a heroic performance, but now you wonder what exactly was helping him along. Was it some steroids, as you suggest? Was he doing some painkillers as well? Was it some sort of combination? And who was the doctor who was presiding over all this? Because you can get those things mixed up and have a very bad reaction, something other than winning the United States Open. All right, uh, Miss Vermont. Miss California, Miss Wyoming, <laughs> line up for the official Howard Stern Tiger Woods Beauty Contest. You know what? Hey, whether you like Howard Stern or not, and he is an American original, he is an iconic figure, this is absolutely classic. This is, this is a perfect Howard Stern. He has put $100,000 on the table, and the Tiger Woods girlfriend who wins the Howard Stern Tiger Woods Beauty Contest <laughs> takes all the money. Now, we know there are 19 women. By the time they're done filing their entries, it's going to be up to 40 because there's going to be a lot of, wait a minute, what about me? I met him. Yeah, I'm in exactly. the contest. I met him. Hey, let me in here. And and it is. It is. It's perfect Howard Stern. Only he could do this, and it's going to be fun to watch. You know, uh, Lester, we would be naive right now if we didn't think to ourselves that Bob Guccione at Penthouse, Hugh Hefner at Playboy, aren't thinking to themselves, hello, uh, <laughs> this is our Miss January. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we think of this? So there's somebody on the staffs of Hefner and Guccione who's in trouble for not thinking of this. That's right. <laughs> what What are your thoughts if Woods plays Augusta, if he plays the hallowed, pristine tournament of Hootie Johnson, plays for the Green Blazer, Crowds down there are not crowds. As you know, CBS must refer to the audience as patrons. Right. It's thought to be a very, very you know, uh, pristine crowd. And the fact is, it's just a bunch of hillbillies who are out watching golf for, for the most part. What kind of response do you think Woods would get? I think at Augusta, he would get a fairly muted response. There will be a couple of episodes. If he does get there, I don't think he's going to get there this year. But if he does, he would have some people saying a few things here and there. Um, he's not going to have the reverence and the worshipful atmosphere that he has enjoyed in the past. But it's not going to be like a real tournament where you have genuine yeah. fans. The, the, the people who go to the Masters typically inherit those tickets, and they're right. going to behave themselves because they don't. They want to come back again next year and the year after that. So it's it would be, if he's going to start somewhere, that would be the place to start. My friend, um, uh, let me state on this given day here in uh, the month of March 2010 that if one Michael Jeffrey Jordan, six-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, takes over controlling interest and becomes the principal owner of the uh, Charlotte Bobcats, I predict he may be the first NBA owner in the 21st century to run a club into bankruptcy. <laughs> Something <laughs> that would be... That's how much I value Michael's yeah. business uh, acumen. Don't you wonder why does he want this? Why would he want to have the responsibility of running a complicated organization in which you've got to make sure there's enough money coming in, you've got to make sure the right amount is going out, he's got to somehow evaluate the talent. He has demonstrated no abilities on any of this. He's got Rod Higgins there, he's got Larry Brown there. Presumably he picked them. Oh, yeah. But but after that... Both friends. Yeah, those are friends of his. And at a certain point, he runs out of friends. And he doesn't seem to have the focus or the discipline that it takes to run a big enterprise like that. If Michael did this, Michael would have to delegate. 
which doesn't befit, as you know, the personality of Michael Jordan, the golf course, uh, or excuse me, Michael Jordan, the NBA uh, club owner. And uh, Lester, as you know, we can draw kind of a correlation about Michael, the basketball operator, to Michael, the golfer, and Michael and gambling, and uh, the book by Eskinas, uh, Michael and Me, My Gambling Addiction and How I Survived. Et cetera, our et cry for help. Our, 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 our <laughs> cry for help. This guy likes to believe he's a combination of Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods when, as you know as well as I do, high-stakes player look at Michael Jordan and say, here comes the pigeon. No, they they know exactly what they have when they find Michael Jordan on the golf course. My favorite was Slim Buhler, the professional hustler <laughs> from North Carolina. He nicked Michael Jordan for $251,000, and Jordan wasn't even sure about it until Buhler had to explain it to him. The the uh, But a, as an owner of a team, you know, you, you have to have meetings. You have to listen to other people. If somebody's going to say to you, wait a minute. Larry Hughes is not the answer. Listen to us. Is he going to listen to anybody, or is he just going to do whatever he wants? And then at a certain point, as you suggest, Chet, they're facing Chapter 11. Well, you know, Lester, what he'll have to do is uh, he'll have to go above Rod Higgins. Rod Higgins, nice guy, but Rod Higgins is a Michael Jordan buddy. He's part of the, he's part of the posse. He's going to have to get a legitimate general manager. That general manager is going to want authority. And when that general manager calls up Michael Jordan at 7.45 in the morning to talk about a player who might have to be released, um, he's going to get Michael's voicemail until about 3 in the afternoon <laughs> or until Michael Damwell feels like answering the All phone. Right. All right. No, I, I think that's exactly the problem. This is the guy who brought Kawami Brown to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great draft picks of all time. Of is he even in the league bust. anymore? One of the all-time yeah. busts. One of the great busts of all time. Yeah. And this was Michael's intuitive pick. He saw something in him that nobody else saw. And guess what? He was wrong. I mean, it's... Hey, uh, the numbers on Sunday for Canada and uh, U.S. in the in the gold medal game, stunning. <clears throat> stunning nationally. Overwhelming. Locally, peaked at a 28 during the 4:45 hour. Over 1 million homes tuned into the game. Gosh, only knows how many people watching on uh, sports bars. Why would Gary Bettman be stupid enough to say we might not come back in 2014? This has been a bonanza for this league, for God's sakes. I think this is the, there's a greater buzz now about the National Hockey League than any time since the lockout. There's no question about it. This was an ideal situation in which you're playing in Canada, you're in the right time zones, you have the dream matchup of the United States versus Canada. The next Winter Olympics are in Sochi, Russia. It's about a nine-hour time differential. So there's that, and it's not just traveling from Detroit or Chicago to Vancouver. It's traveling from Detroit and Chicago and California to Sochi, Russia, so that the the displacement and the disruption of the NHL for Sochi would be double at least what they had now. And oddly enough, team owners are on Bettman's case demanding that he bring this to an end. They want people coming into their buildings, paying them money to watch hockey. They don't want people paying money to watch hockey up in Vancouver. That uh, that shows me how short-sighted the bulk of your National Hockey League club owners really are that they can't see the forest through the trees to recognize what this did 
for the National Hockey League. I mean, you, you weren't spotlighting Micah Ruzioni in Lake Placid, who was just a kid who, who happened to uh, make her Brooks Olympic team because he had a fairly good wrist shot and he hustled like a, uh, like a madman. Right. I mean, Micah Ruzioni's entire career has been playing charity golf tournaments. Son of a gun, you were, you were, you were showcasing Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. I mean, for, for Chicago alone, Lester, I would bet the rent this week that with John McDonough and Jay Blunk over at the United Center, there has been a massive spike in merchandising. I bet my daughter on that. I don't have any doubt about it. You see these shirts on sale from the Olympic jerseys. You see the sweaters from the Blackhawks on sale. Everything is better in the National Hockey League because of these Winter Olympics. There's no question about it. And Bettman has a very difficult situation right now. He's got owners who don't want to do it. He's got the Sochi time zone factor. He's got all that travel. It's going to be tough, and he's got to get the union to somehow agree with him on what the players are going to do. My guess is they're going to screw this up. I would think there'd be a way to get to Russia, play the tournament, and get home, and everybody would be happy, and you'd have the same buzz again. Maybe not, but there's a real possibility of a mistake being made here. Lester, the bottom line is this. Mm -hmm. If you examine the... um the tenure of Gary Bettman as commissioner of the National Hockey League. And my gosh, what a great commissioner John McDonough would make for the NHL. They'd be lucky to get him. What is there about Bettman's tenure that even begins to sparkle? In my opinion, it's been, uh, for want of a better word, completely lackluster. He got off to a very bad start when the president of his board went away to jail, the guy from California, uh, for stealing antiquities from European churches. (laughs) and selling false collector's items. Um, oh, Bruce, he, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Norris or Bruce, not Norris. We should know his name. Yeah, we should know his um, name. Because uh, it was he, a chubby guy named Bruce. Yeah, and he was going to be... the guy who bought Kretzky to Los Angeles. Exactly. He's the new wave of owners, and he turns out to be a crook. The uh, And he hired Bettman. But Bettman, he, he's a very difficult guy. He's brilliant. It's very hard to talk to him. He he has an uh, an arrogance that is very difficult to accept. He did pull off this lockout thanks to some blunders by the union, but he kept he kept the owners together for a year without income, without hockey, and you got to give him credit for that. I, I, credit for a year long lockout. That's about it for an asset on his career right now. How much of that credit should we give to? Um, was it Bruce McCall? Is that McNall. Something? Bruce McNall. We can there do we this. <laughs> By gosh, who says we can't play? McNall. Bruce McNall. Yeah. I've often wondered, was it really was it really Gary Bettman, or was it really the strength on the Board of Governors of a gentleman named William W. Wirtz? Oh. Well, when, when Wirtz was still on that board, I mean, he was the 900-pound gorilla. There's no question about it. The, the idea... Of several owners at the time Bettman was hired was, okay, we've had Wirtz, we've had Ziegler, we've had this old guard, Alan Eagleson, we're breaking into the new world now, we're going to have Bruce McNall and Gary (laughs) Bettman. How much of a quantum leap was that in quality of personnel? Lester, uh, before we go away, uh, I think we should touch on this point. Uh, I have the over-under on May 11th. The White Sox will lose a tough ball game in extra innings. And uh, Ozzie Guillen will tweet the following. Sick of Beckham. Don't like club. Kenny must deal with it.
or something to that effect. In 140 you know, letters. You know, and somehow he'll do it in 140 characters. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. Yeah, he, he, uh, I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of self-discipline when it comes to what he's going to put out there. And the, it could lead to trouble. I think Williams knows that. He as much as said, uh, why, why do we have to have this? Can you just put this away? No. Uh, and Guillen's sons are going to be leading him down the primrose path, putting this stuff out there, helping him with his English and getting it out there. It, it, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. Well, the first uh, mistake on Kenny's part was the obvious. Saying he didn't want Ozzy to do it. He, <laughs> now he has to I do mean, it. If he would have said, I really don't give a darn, Ozzy may have dropped it. Right. But the fact that he said, I really would rather not have Ozzy do it, there, there is a bad child in Ozzy, as we both know. <laughs> <laughs> there is. And he just loves to let him out. <laughs> and he'll do it. He is Lester Munson, legal expert, ESPN. I'm Chad Kapik. Once again, we thank our great friends at American Taxi. For you people out in the suburbs, American Taxi is the only way to go, whether it's Midway, O'Hare, whether it's Mitchell Field up in Milwaukee, whatever the case may be, when you need taxi service that is unmatched, you go with American Taxi. We'll talk to you in seven days. So long, everybody.